They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. But bye, 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 bye. But bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. As we, we always try and not only talk about running, but give you an insight into, into runners globally and the issues they're facing, but also to try and ideally get an understanding, a greater understanding of, of the world in general. And obviously this last few months, um, last few years really politically have, have been dominated by Russia and Ukraine. So get an, get an understanding of, of, of what it's like to be a Ukrainian who as, as a, a very high level runner, um, I think he's run sub 225 in the past for the marathon and, and to really find out what their viewpoint is on, on what's been happening and, and how it is to, to be living in, in the Ukraine currently. So welcome to the podcast, uh, Serhi Popov. Hey Serhi, uh, Serhi, how you doing? Uh, hi, well, for now I'm fine. I'm finally in my Kiev apartment. I uh, I haven't been here from, for a month since the start of the war and uh, came back only a week ago. Uh, so, well, it was very, it was very hard month, actually, and mm-hmm. it is still hard. But uh, today I more like... Uh, uh, Today my mood is much better because uh, today is the first uh, quiet day in the city without explosions, without shootings. So I can just sit here on my kitchen, take a cup of coffee, and and relax. Actually. And and because for the listener, we we'll put this one as soon as we can um, out after we've recorded. Sometimes it takes a while, but um, just for the listener at home. Um, to give you a, an idea of when we are, today is the 1st of April and there is a, hopefully, well, it, it may be a temporary book of a ceasefire troops um, withdrawing from Kiev. So that's the context of, of right now. But what we're going to do is is really go back to uh, his early days and just explain what it's like to be a runner and a, a Ukrainian from and, and the Russian, their, their Russian, sorry, relationship with Russia from the beginning. So, well, should we talk about your your beginning days of running then? When did you first find out you had such talent? Well, it was more than 20 years ago, actually. Uh, I was just, you know, when I started running, uh, I I didn't even want to run. I didn't want ever to uh to go for uh for athletics actually <laughs> when i was very young i i wished i can uh, uh, go for martial arts i really liked it uh but it was quite quite hard times here in ukraine and mm. not much money and uh, um i found a coach athletic coach a running coach uh who could do it uh, f- free so i i could uh, i couldn't go for martial arts for arts for free so i go uh, so i went for a run for free 
And uh, after a couple of months, I feel like, well, well, I like it. I like running. I like that my results are growing. My figures on my watch getting better. And uh, step by step, I uh, I just love this. <laughs> love this. Like like uh, running is like is like feeling that you are alive actually. <laughs> And it is still so, I still she still feel so. Uh, well, <clears throat> in my early days, uh, just in a few years after I started running, I uh, I ran my first marathon and mm. uh, it, it, was, it was not in Ukraine, it was in Poland. And uh, my first marathon was 2.30. And uh, in a year, maybe a little more, I don't remember exactly. I did my personal best in marathon. It was two hours and 22 minutes, actually. Then I had... Was that the first year, you say, of moving to marathon distance? Well, not yet. I started from uh, from shorter distances. Mm. So I ran uh, uh, <clears throat> 1.5 kilometers. I ran three kilometers. Uh, I was a Kyiv champion in uh, three kilometers, for example, and uh, 1.5 kilometers. I did sub for uh, 1.5, and I had uh, eight minutes, 30 seconds for three kilometers. Then, uh, but I really wanted to try marathon, you know, and uh, it, it is also a very interesting story because uh, my first coach, uh, his surname is Tchaikovsky, Vladimir <laughs> Dmitrievich Tchaikovsky, he didn't want me to run a marathon. He told me, Serhi, you should run past 10K or 5K, and only after this you can run marathon. Uh, actually, I I, uh, I had quite a good result for 10K. It was 30 minutes, 30 seconds in mm-hmm. road race. Uh, but And I also had quite a good result for... Uh, half marathon it was like uh, an hour and eight 30 minutes uh, and I really wanted to, to run this marathon so my first marathon I ran without uh, telling my coach and uh, I told you that it was in Poland in Wroclaw it was 230 mm. and uh, with this time I actually took the first place in my age category and uh, <clears throat> Uh, they gave me very beautiful cup. It was my first cup for the marathon, and and when I showed this cup to my coach, he told me, "How could you do this? You're <laughs> stupid. You didn't have to run this marathon." <laughs> Something like that. Uh, well, but actually, uh, I'm, cup- I'm amazed you could hide it from him before then, because. <laughs> you'd you'd think that just the nature of the training differences and the fact that you'd you'd change your focus on the long runs that, that he couldn't tell they couldn't tell that from the way you know you were during track or during your other sessions that you'd been sneaking in these extra long runs. Well, it's it's another <laughs> it's another funny story because <laughs> because uh, just uh, two months before this marathon, uh, I get sick. I I had an operation, uh, my appendix. Uh, so I, I had a surgery actually just two months before the marathon. And uh, actually, 
my coach thought that I'm still not running at all. But I started to run just two weeks after surgery, and I uh, I uh, did uh, follow the schedule, the standard schedule of my coach. But I added some uh, extra long runs uh, to this, and after all, <laughs> I did this marathon. Well, maybe, maybe if uh, if uh, I didn't have this surgery, if I uh, did. Uh, Mm, if I had better relations with coach, if I told him about this person, maybe I could do much better time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, actually, I was young, I was a little silly, and I really want to go abroad and run this marathon. And so it happened like it happened. And actually, I I, I love that it happened just this way. And and is is the marathon because in the UK? we've the marathon seems to for the public be the race that everyone wants to do it's the one that excites people there's certainly been an element um of we've specialized in middle, middle difference distance running for a while with you know your steve coast steve Vivette. but even now with you know mo farah um is, is that the same in the ukraine in, in ukraine or have you kind of got different heroes that have shaped uh, people's views on running well, uh, you know, Ukraine is still in, a, in this situation of uh, very great uh, development of the, of the massive running, you know. When I, uh, on the times of my first marathons, yes, it was oh, more than 15 years ago, actually. Uh, uh, running wasn't as common as it is now. So... Uh, we didn't have uh, competitions with such a high level, so with such a great amount of people. So, and uh, even this, my uh, my marathon, my first marathon, which I ran in Poland, it was like uh, like different world for me because uh, I didn't see competitions uh, organized so well in Ukraine. I see a huge mm. jump in this uh, mass massive sport. So now we do have a lot of marathons with very high level athletes, with very good uh, quality of organization and uh, thousands of participants. So, and I think that we are still in this situation of, of development, of very, very rapid development of this. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, a couple of years, uh, just, just, just even younger, uh, 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 and the uh, situation with ultramarathons is even even more interesting because it is younger uh, kind of sport for Ukraine. You know, it's, so yes, people run ultras uh, all the time, mm. but uh, maybe ten year, years ago, five years ago, even it was like a few people gathering and run something some long distance. But now, just for for last. I don't know, maybe three years, maybe four years. It's still a huge jump for for a few people on the start to hundreds of people on the start, even for the longest ultras. And uh, I mm. think this is great. So I think that Ukraine now, in uh, this period of uh, its sport development, like uh, United Kingdom was, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 years ago. But, and, and then, so... 
kind of tying this in with as you, as you were growing older then um when you were younger and you were competing how did you view russia and russians and, and your relationship with them as a country because we in the uk we've heard um we've heard what putin's been saying you know his story of um how you know ukraine russia brothers in arms you know together one people but what how have you felt your relationship has been um in the past before before any conflict happened like what, what was your feeling and your view well uh this is it's actually my deep pain you know because uh, mm, my surname popov is actually like a russian surname uh, this is because my grandparents they came to ukraine from russia and uh, our family had uh, a lot of relatives in russia i remember that uh, when i was really young uh, we visited moscow uh, we visited our relatives in moscow i don't have their contacts now when my grandparents died all these relations was broken but uh, but actually i do have some roots in russia uh, mm. moreover i my family always was russian speaking family all my life uh, russian language was my na main language and all this time i freely used it in ukraine mm. uh, and uh, uh, hearing uh, it, it it always was some some madness for me when i heard uh, well i i was in russia several times when i was uh, when <laughs> When I was older already and I worked as a journalist, I had a few trips to Russia, to, to Russia uh, for, for work, for a job as a journalist. And it was very surprising for me that uh, Russians really thought that uh, in Ukraine uh, there is some suppression of Russian language or Russian-speaking people and uh, that mm. here in ukraine some nazis walk in the streets and uh, i didn't really realize why they're talking this because i am with russian roots i speak russian i mm. live in ukraine i <laughs> i move all around ukraine i was in all the parts of ukraine uh, <laughs> i i didn't see any nazi here you know, I did not see any uh, suppression of Russian language or, for, or Russian speak, speaking people. But uh, but in Russia itself, uh, people, for some reason, maybe because of their televisions, maybe I don't know why, they mm. thought that there's a situation is quite different, that it's like Ukraine is some strange country with strange Nazi people who killing and eating Russian speaking children. And it was war, it all was Russian propaganda. And actually, uh, it, uh, it had place even 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Uh, you know, uh, well, mm. it was strange for actually, me. It, so it's quite, it's been quite a long time that there's, has been the the misnomer in in Russia that um, you know that you've it, it's so it's not it's not even just recently but 
it's been a long yeah. time that they've been led to believe that you know the Russian yeah, a yearning. Uh, you know, uh, there is. I think that we in Ukraine made made a mistake. Uh, we did a mistake for a very long time uh, concerning this our approach to to all this situation. We mm -hmm. thought that all their uh, thinking and speaking about uh, Banderovci and the bad situation with Russian language, we thought it's something like something funny. We 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 were just laughing at it. We didn't realize that all this was this foundation to to start war in Ukraine. Actually, uh, mm. we realized it somehow in 2014, but uh, we still didn't believe that it is possible ever that Russia can uh, invade Ukraine, all mm. Ukraine. Mm. And I, I think that's true of, of the world, actually. I, I, it has felt as if globalization has continued at such a pace that we're really connected with 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 everyone on Earth, and that it, it hasn't felt as if um, modern countries, they or, or first first you know, first world countries or whatever the terminology would be now, it, it didn't feel as if it was possible for people to go to war anymore because th there was such an understanding of um, of the horrors of war and um, and and the fact that it's it um, from country to country and and there's so much travel in you know between regions and and so would you say then going back to to how you felt have you have you always felt Ukrainian hundred percent who happened to speak Russian and and do you think within Ukraine have you been seen differently by others because of your Russian heritage prior to to these issues? No, not at all. Well, uh, I was born in Kiev. Uh, my parents were born in Kiev, uh, and actually, well, uh, I always had my my place here. You know, uh, I. I had a good education. I uh, I don't know how this worked, but actually, uh, I have, I had, and I have a lot of friends that speak different languages. You know, mm. uh, in different parts of Ukraine. Uh, and now, I, when I was working as a journalist, I had a lot of colleagues, a lot of well. Actually, there is no any. Uh, I don't know anyone who has these problems. Uh, if he has Russian roots or is he, if he is Russian speaking, mm. and uh, somebody can do something better to him in Ukraine. No, even uh, no in Ukraine, uh, in Eastern Ukraine, more people speak Russian, a little less in Ukrainian. In Western Ukraine. More people speak Ukrainian, less Russian, but there's mm. still in every part of Ukraine, you can find people who speak only Russian and we understand each other perfect. Mm. And, uh, well, like Kyiv is, I don't know, maybe 60% Russian speaking people here live here. 
the same situation in Jitomer where I spent uh, previous months actually. And even now when it is war against Russia, yes, we are defending ourselves. And <laughs> a lot of people who have guns now uh, defending Ukraine, these are Russian speaking. They, mm. they, sh they, they put in their guns on Russians speaking in, in Russian language, actually. Mm. Telling them in Russian language to go home. Mm. And, and that's something which I don't think I've not necessarily understood. And I, I don't think our news actually goes into that level of detail where they we we certainly know that people in the west uh the, sorry the eastern parts are, are um more predominantly russian uh, heritage than people in the western but um we we've got no real concept of how people when um in was it 2014 when invaded um supposedly by stealth but there was almost uh i almost interpreted that there were a lot of people in the region who that was fine for and it was almost as if the eastern part of ukraine didn't mind the fact that russia were um were moving in um did you, did you get a sense of 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 what percentages or or how firm firmly people who are um, do they feel a lot more um, as if they are Russian and, and is there do, do, you, do you get the sense that anyone was pleased from Ukraine when when Russian invaded or it, it, you know, I, we, we don't really get a, a sense of the separation between as you say someone like yourself who is Russian-speaking, Russian heritage, but fully sees themselves as Ukrainian, and whether there are people who exist in the East that... Uh, well, it's... The, uh, the situation of uh, 2014 uh, actually has a very, a very deep historical uh, part of all this, because uh, even in times of Soviet Union, a lot of people were moving to Crimea and mm. to eastern Ukraine, to this Donetsk and Lugansk region uh, from, another, from other parts of the Soviet Union. So e ethnically, yes, uh, uh, there are more, uh, there are not many just ethical Ukrainian people. Uh, but uh, my opinion is that in, in modern world, uh, we can't uh, talk about uh like ethnical part you know uh, because all this uh, well it's it's all mixed yes if mm -hmm. my grandparents uh, came from russia it was grandparents uh, it was uh, parents of my father yes but parents of my mother they have like uh, little roots uh, from poland so uh, yeah who, who am i yes i'm citizen of ukraine and, and mm -hmm. no matter it doesn't matter uh mm, well it's not correct to tell that i'm rush uh, russian or ukrainian or polish or something like that uh, the case is in this um, uh, 
mentality of the people of that area. I know exactly that. Uh, I think it's it, it is a problem uh, that uh, that had to solve uh, Ukrainian authorities ten, fifteen, even twenty years ago, because all this time, all the time of, uh, of the independence in Ukraine, uh, Russia did some propaganda work in Crimea and in this uh, eastern Ukraine regions. Mm. And uh, actually, I can't say that Ukraine did something to prevent it. You know that there always was this uh, uh, Russian uh, marine forces in Crimea. And uh, uh, I was in Crimea several times uh, more than 10 years ago. And even though it's, it was... I, Remember that I was in Crimea in 2008, six years before all this happens with uh, Annexia. And in this time, I um, uh, occasionally I visited some music festival in Crimea. And it was a music festival with a lot of uh, uh, Russian musicians, like some kind of rock mm -hmm. musicians and other. And in in 2008, these people from the stage, they they actually uh, they told all this crowd that uh, Crimea and Russia should be together, that we must be united, that we must be closer to Moscow, so something like that. And uh, now I realize, I understand now that uh, it it was a part of this propaganda, this preparation for annexia of Crimea. Uh, so actually, yes, there was a lot of people in Crimea and in parts of uh, Lugansk and Donetsk regions who, uh, for some their inner reasons, supported Russia. Uh, but um, there also was a lot of people who didn't support Russia there in these regions. But uh, Ukraine in general was much weaker. Our uh, defense forces was weaker. So everybody who could uh, protest in that area uh, against the Russian invasion in 2014, they just moved to other parts of Ukraine or abroad. And uh, actually, most of the people who left in this part, in these uh, regions, they they're more Russian oriented. Some someone was just uh, like Russia just bought them. Huh? Yes, they, they gave them money. Uh, for some, uh, there was a lot of support from old people who remember uh, Soviet Union, and mm -hmm. they really wanted to feel again this. Uh, this life in Soviet Union because they think it was better that way. Mm. Uh, more of younger people just left these places, and uh, because <laughs> because most most of Ukrainians want to be closer to Europe, not just not just financially, yes, but like uh, like with this feeling of. Liberty and freedom, you know, like mm. maybe it's a 
like loud, bright words, but actually it is <laughs> because it's it's uh, living in Ukraine. You know, it's like living between two civilizations, uh, which has quite different points uh, of view of uh, on everything. You no, know? like and uh, Europe looks more more like going to future, you know, and mm. Russia looks like more going to past. Well, most people who I know, most my friends and relatives don't want to go to, to the past. We want to go to the future. Mm. And, and, and up, a lot of Europeans could look across to America because in the same way, the, the flashing lights, the different sports, Hollywood, the films, TV shows, um, music, and all of that. So I, I think, you know, everyone everyone looks to somewhere else, don't they? Um, <laughs> and and so when the the Donetsk and um, and the Crimea region, when when it became apparent that Russia were invading um, unofficially, what did you then think? How how did that feel? Because does that feel similar to now, but just an earlier form, or does it feel dif does it feel different? Because the way Russia positioned it was almost as if they were liberators there, whereas I don't think that narrative is the same. They, they may be saying that internally, but th there's no doubt that this is an aggressive act of war. What's been happening recently, whereas at the time it was all, there was some confusion to begin with. Then it was, well, is this it became it, didn't, it was harder to actually understand how strongly Russia were involved in like how, what what were your thoughts during that period well it's quite a different situation uh, eight years ago and now mm. uh, you know uh, those time it was like somebody has stolen something from you mm. Yes, it's pretty sad, but actually, you can think that you can't do much about this because this guy is stronger than you. Yes, so you can just mm. tell him that he made something bad, but you you're not strong enough to to take it back. Uh, that's what I felt about Crimea. And besides of this, uh, I. I understood all the situations that I told you that a lot of people in Crimea, they actually supported uh, this invasion. And mm. like, you know, um, I like Crimea. I have been there. I was running there. I was <laughs> just walking there. It's a beautiful place, but it's like feeling that it's not actually my place. Yes. And people who live in this territory, they really... Uh, if telling the truth, if uh, eight years ago somebody, someone told me to take a gun and go fight from Crimea, I'm not sure that I uh, that I could go and fight for the Crimea because I understand that not all the people of Crimea wanted me to do so. Mm -hmm. uh, now situation is is all different because it's not about just somebody 
trying to steal something from you. It's mm. like somebody wants to destroy you, just kill you. And you don't have choice. You must fight for your life. You must survive. And it looks very, very different. And um, today I'm ready to take gun and fight against Russia, no matter what, no matter how strong they are. And and I I think actually that is that is reflected a, across the whole of Ukraine from from the way people are fighting. You can tell the reason Ukraine are putting up such resistance is is purely through well not purely but a lot of that is down to commitment and iron will not to surrender or, or give in. Um, so then when just bringing us back still again, um, just for one more, one more time. Um, so then when Russia stole Crimea, because from, from my point of view, it, it still didn't feel anywhere near like an invasion could happen. It was almost as if it felt as if Putin thought, well, I can get away with this. We, no one's going to march. And... Um, as you say, there's not much anyone can do. But at, at what point did you genuinely start to think invasion could be on the cards? Well, uh, actually, uh, even even in 2014, it was not like like okay, they have taken it, so give it. Take it and go away. Actually, not. Uh, mm. We all, all this time, thought that someday Crimea and all these parts of uh, Donetsk and Lugansk will return to Ukraine. Mm. And uh, and it's not just uh, just a war from uh, from state policy of Ukraine. It's like what I really feel. Yes, mm. because. Uh, Yes, I want to go to to go. I don't know for a summer in Crimea to visit these beaches because I like it. I like this place, and I myself, as a citizen, as a citizen, as just a human being, I don't understand why someone decided to uh, to not let me visit. Uh, a land uh, where I used to be when I was younger, uh, mm. which which was a part, which, which is a part of my country. You know? uh, so, uh, so there's still a hope that it can somehow, in some form, uh, be part of my life and my country again. You know? Uh, of course, it's always something we think, something we want, and uh, something we really can do. Because uh, we understand that it is not possible for such a country as Ukraine to defeat Russia in open military battle. You know, mm. Russia is very huge country. It's very big country. It's a great budget for army. Mm. Ukraine 
even that Ukraine is the biggest uh, country in Europe, actually, in, mm. uh, when we are talking territory. But uh, comparing to Russia, it's very, very small country. And uh, the problem in 2014 uh, was the most, the most problem was that Ukraine was actually alone. Like quite not strong enough uh, state power, not strong enough uh, defense forces, and actually alone because all we heard from United States, Europe, uh, European mm -hmm. Union, just some, some words of concerning. Yes, everybody tells it, oh, hold on, we support you, you are very great people. But actually, words means nothing at all. Uh, today, as I see, situation is quite different because we feel, we really feel much more support than we had in 2014. It is still not enough, you know, as, mm. I, as, as I see it from my perspective, it is still not enough, but it is much better than it was before. And, and how, how did you feel about, you, you mentioned that you felt as if we hadn't, um, how did you then um, feel about Europe and Europeans and, and their viewpoint of you as individuals and and also what were your relationships like with people from Russia if you ever met them would you would you have discussions did you become enemies uh, actually no uh, you know uh, uh, as, as uh, well I traveled a lot I traveled a lot in different parts of uh, of the world, from from South and uh, America to to China. Uh, I did met Russians, uh, not only sportsmen, but just ordinary people, and we just uh, going for mm. just for a vacation. Mm. And uh, well, I I don't know what will. What will happen if I see somewhere, you know, in Thailand, Russian people? But even after the situation in Crimea, I did not feel any... Uh, uh, well, I didn't hate them. You see ordinary people, mostly they just uh, just like just like you and me yes they have their families they have their plans they go for a vacation they do some job and so there is nothing to hate them about uh, all this time i thought like okay mm. you have this propaganda you may be you may not love ukrainians but i actually it's just propaganda and it's just your State power. It's just Putin who did all this. Not not all Russians uh, did this. And uh, so I, even in, in those all those trips, I didn't have any conflicts uh, with Russians. But I did have some mm, some very strange situations. I can tell you, it's uh, like something that. Um, mm, 
that just make you laugh from Russians because they mm, sometimes they behave very strange. I remember a situation in uh, I was in Italy in Rome and uh, I I just was walking the city near the Coliseum and uh, mm, and I heard Russian language. And when I heard Russian language, uh, I decided to just to ask how to reach one place in the, in town. And uh, I asked. They told me. They told me. And then they asked, "Where are you from?" I told you. I told that I am from Kiev. And <laughs> the answer, their their reaction was really really strange and don't understandable for me because. It was quite a quite an old woman, and she told, uh, "Oh, if I if I know if if I knew that you are from Kiev, I wouldn't tell you where to go, you know, something like that." So, and I with with my brain with my mind, I can't understand why they're thinking this way, you know, like. I didn't do anything bad to this person. Mm. Yeah, I don't know this person at all. I politely ask her for 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 some help, and hearing that if I knew that you are Ukrainian, I wouldn't tell you anything. It's so strange for me that I just in not not in any country, not in, in citizens of, of I don't know even even of African countries or. <laughs> or some Asian countries, no one behaves themselves like this. <laughs> Mostly mm. people quite open and <laughs> something like that. I don't know. In Russia, something strange happening with their minds. And would you have a would you ever converse with people about it from Russia and, and actually have conversations? Saying, what do you think of what's happened? Why? Why? What are you? Are you supporting Putin's backing of the invasion of uh, of Crimea, or, or would would that we'd never get in those circumstances? Well, you know, uh, during my vacations or competitions, I just try to avoid some uh, conversations like this, and actually, uh, mostly mm. Russians avoided this conversation, these topics too. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's not because I... It, it is not because I uh, want, didn't want to uh, to get my opinion to them, but just not, don't to spoil my own <laughs> vacation or my own uh, visit into this, into this country. Uh, I know except a few things, you know. Uh, I can tell you that uh, uh, now I remember a few um, a few meetings with Russians. Uh, I remember it was in Germany. I met one guy not a couple of years ago, and also a girl in France. And they was uh, supporting Ukraine. Uh, these guys, they um, 
they they thought that this annexation of Crimea is not legal, that it is not right, and uh, the situation, this war on Donbass is not right from the Russian point of view uh, also. But uh, the situation is this uh, this Russian uh, people uh, who's, who who told me these things, uh, they left Russia. So it was people who left Russia and uh, live and work in Germany, in France, or in some other countries. Uh, those people who still live in Russia, they they think that uh, Crimea should be part of Russia and even Ukraine should be part of Russia. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and I, I guess that's natural, isn't it? The more you travel, the more you're open to international ideas, probably the more you research information and, and have more than one new source. Um, so at, at what point then did you... Because other when all the news headlines over here were about um, you know, Putin's talking about Ukraine invasion, there's a risk of this, and I, I, I really thought it was just bluster. I, th I thought it was because he was trying to get popular backing in his country, and, and even the Western leaders, I thought, were trying to act strong because they're thinking about the, the polls and and they and the votes rather than this could happen at what point did you become concerned well uh, for the uh, i didn't believe in russian invasion even when i heard this first shootings the first uh, explosions in Kiev on the 24th of February. Really, mm -hmm. I uh, I told this story before. Uh, I was planning uh, to go to Spain for a competition, and for the 24th of February, I had a ticket uh, for uh, for a plane. I was already checking uh, together with my old uh, with my girlfriend. Uh, we planned to fly to Spain on 24th of February and on 27th of February I had to take part in um, ultra run in Barcelona. It's six hour race. Uh, so I heard all these uh, warnings about possibility of Russian invaders, but I, I really didn't believe it. Mm. Uh, and I realized that the uh, situation is really bad only when it happened, uh, it was Thursday and it was 5 a.m. in the morning and we just woke up because of this sounds. Uh, we didn't even understand for the first time what it exactly was because it's, I had no this. Uh, I haven't heard something, anything like this before. Now this mm -hmm. sounds like like a part of everyday life, and uh, we don't even stare it or something like. Oh, okay, it's this explosion. So it's 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 not very loud. So it's somewhere quite a lot, of, quite a far away from here. You know, <laughs> now now we know how to separate really dangerous shootings uh, from not really dangerous shootings.
Mm. But uh, on the 24th, of the, on the morning of 20, e- even after all this started, even after we uh, read the news that this is uh, happening all around Ukraine, that Russia strikes uh, all Ukrainian, all main Ukrainian cities, even after this, they, I had this thought that maybe just for a few hours and it all will calm down. Maybe it's not more than a week of something like that and and, uh, and there will not be any war actually. Uh, uh, real, real understanding of the situation came to me uh, uh, on the next night. Uh, just on the 24th of February, when we realized that we can't fly anywhere because all airports are already closed, uh, we moved to, to our friends in Irpin. And uh, just as we moved here, all this fightings for Stomel Airport started. It's just very close, you know. I live in uh, the region of um, um, in the part of Kiev uh, that is very close to Irpin. Uh, so we came there and Irpin is very close to Hostomel where the main fighting against Russian against Russians started just on 24th and 25th of uh, February. And uh, uh, this was the first stuff, uh, the first night uh, from the 25th to 26th of February which we spent in the basement. And the fighting was really close to to our place. We heard all these shootings and explosions. It was very scary. It was like you know, not just it's not just what you hear, but you just feel how walls shaking, uh, ground under you shaking. Mm. <laughs> Almost every minute you thinking about. Uh, like maybe this is the end, <laughs> you know, the end of your life. Uh, and this was sexual realization that uh, that it is very, very dangerous, and that this is real war, actually, real war. And how does that affect um, just your day to day? Because you still have to live. You. You know, you're, you can't leave the country and some people have jobs that they can do, some people don't. Like how, what have you been spending your time doing since that day? Well, uh, uh, just the next day after this night in basement, uh, we decided to move to Zhitomer. It's uh, 150 kilometers from uh, from Kyiv, like 80 miles or something. Uh, why we went there? Because, well, actually, we was preparing to fly away from the country. Yes, we were preparing to, to, to fly to Spain for a competition and then from a short training camp. Uh, so to do this, we had to get our car and our cats to uh, my girlfriend's parents in Zhitomer. Uh, so... 
<laughs> when when actually the war started, first thought was to get to the Tomer just to get to car, so we can be more mobile, and then decide what to do next. To, to join army, to join volunteers, to try to escape the country by car or something like that. And uh, and after we get actually get to Zhitomir, uh so okay, we will stay here, and we will do what we can do. First couple of days, we tried to help uh, this local defense forces. Uh, which were standing on block posts, so we just bought and uh, bring there some water and food, and then we um, tried to uh, to help uh, to build this block post. We was we was doing the sandbags, uh, uh, well, and some other just physical work just to to make this city more protected, you know. Uh, and, and, and what are your what are your interactions like with with strangers now? When you go to a shop, when you pass someone on the street, what happens? What what do you say to each other? How do you feel about each other? Well, I can say that something has really changed. People people mostly the same. Uh, you know. Uh, and this is a good uh, good part of the situation. Most people in Ukraine uh, became, I don't know, more friendly to you. Like uh, you meet people, you go to the shop if if it's working, because first few days it wasn't working at all, uh, and uh, you understand that you and uh, your uh, open and yes, uh, this people uh, on the cash desk uh, or just this policeman on the street or any anybody. So you together in in one situation, you together in one danger and against one enemy, and that's why I can't even well during this month that passed. I can't remember any tiny conflict between between people just like in the shop or on the street, something like that, which actually is quite um, quite often happening in, in Ukraine just in everyday life. So now the situation is different. Uh, more... Um, you're trying to help each other more often, like in, in any way, uh, from some physical help to, to money to something. Well, actually, after a few a few days trying to do some this volunteer work, physical work in in Jetomer, I just started to to raise money for uh, for our defense forces. Uh, we have this. <clears throat> territory defense, local defense forces in Ukraine. Mm. Uh, actually, uh, <laughs> I am not in this local defense forces only because I don't have appropriate uh, experience. Like I mm. wasn't in army, and uh, and 
I can't join them just because uh, very a lot of people who want to join it uh, now, even mm. now. It was in the first day, and it is still like this now. So uh, there are a lot of people with more uh, appropriate experience. Mm. It can join. So when I on the second or third day went to this uh, point of gathering of uh, men for for uh, for this local defense forces, uh, they just told me no, we 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 have enough people now, so <laughs> to do something else. So, but uh, but we still need ammunition, like everything mm. from clothes to some. Mm, to vests, to to hats, to to helmets. So I started to raise some money, looking where to buy this stuff, and getting all this to to for for local territorial for local defense forces in Kiev here. So this is the main thing that I'm doing now, actually. Uh, and are you scared? Well, I don't. I actually don't know. Uh, I I can't say that I'm scared. I just it's it's like I just don't. Um, I don't have this vision of future now. You know, mm. it's it's not like a fear. It's just. Uh, mm, it's just something no no fear i mom uh, i feel more like mm, uh, anger i can say that i feel anger because all my plans was ruined of like uh, uh my job as a coach was all this I did as a coach was ruined also. And so I, I really feel anger, but also I feel kind of excitement because uh, what I do now with all this money raisings and trying to help other people, uh, I feel that this is, uh, this is what I have to do now. And uh, looking how a lot of people doing the same. I really have this hope that uh, we have a great, uh, great chances to win this war. Well, to 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 start doing what we are used to do. Yes, and I just just to return to ordinary life as as fast as possible. I don't know what to do if uh, all the situation will uh, will will continue for months. Uh, I think uh, like in half a year or more. Probably I will join army as well because you know this line for the people mm -hmm. who who have to who have to join the army. It's 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 going. It's going. So. Uh, maybe something like this, but uh, for now, uh, for now, I'm saying uh, I think that I'm doing the most of what I can do. Uh, mm. Just uh, 
just, just uh, these days, just this week, I started to write trading plans again. Because a lot of people who I worked with uh, before the war, uh, my main income was uh, um, from uh, preparing training plans for people who want to run marathon or ultra or something. Mm. And uh, now I know that some people, especially girls, yes, they they moved to safe place. So for those who are who are in safe place now, I'm starting to write these plans again. Uh, half of the money that I can raise by this, I, 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 I write in this training plans, uh, plans for a donation, like no fixed payment now, just mm-hmm. donation. And part of this donation, again, I'm trying to spend of uh, this thing that uh, that our local defense forces needs. Mm, well, and mm, and you know, uh, just for for a few days, a lot of people uh, asked me to to add them to to my plans, and mm. it's it gives hope that well, it's great actually. It's like I'm I have this my. Uh, my ordinary job again, yes, I mm. like, like in the morning I'm going looking for some tactical gloves or boots or helmets mm. and in the evening I, I, I'm sitting and uh, writing training plans for those who can train and uh, this week I even started to run again. Uh, <laughs> it was very strange because all this week uh, going out and I see this air air strike, strike alarms and mm. some explosions, some shootings but I still run <laughs> I don't recommend anybody to to repeat the same that I do because it's actually, it's, it's really dangerous but but uh, when I run even when I hear this the sounds of war, I still feel myself alive. I, and this is, this is what helps me to move on because I convince myself that this all will, will over. Sooner or later, but it's all will over. And when it's over, I must be in good shape to to show the world who Ukrainians are, not only on battlefield, yes, but but uh, on, in, in competitions, in mountains, mm-hmm. in road races, and so on. And because we've we've had quite a few headlines over here where it suggested that quite a few of the the Russian soldiers have been misled or have don't truly understand what they were doing. Um, they thought they're going on exercises or that it was kind of liberation. Do you get a sense of that from the people you've spoken to? That do Ukrainians believe that the Russian people, you know? 
don't necessarily all are they more on your side than the action suggest and do you do you get a sense of what the the atmosphere is like on the ground for the russian side uh, well i i can tell you one thing first um, first few days when uh, when we heard about this uh, taking this uh, russian soldiers and they told us that oh we didn't know that we are in ukraine uh yes we mm, we thought that maybe maybe this is true that this is this poor young soldiers uh, who didn't uh, want to fight uh, they was just uh, tricked and put in ukraine but uh, you know as time as time goes a week later and another week later i realized that it all actually lies i think uh, that at least for now for this time all russian soldiers who are in ukraine they know exactly where where they are and what they are doing and well no i i maybe should not but i have to tell you some terrible things because uh, uh, what this soldiers that tells that they didn't know that they're in ukraine and they they was just on some some trainings they making horrible things in these areas that they actually uh, has taken like in these small villages of ukraine and these small towns uh near the city is it's really shooting civilians like mm. killing not just men just killing women and children just shooting in civilian cars raping very young girls it's all that happening now and it's all what what russian soldiers do um, they behave like animals no there is no like i don't know what what words can can describe this uh, if you came to like you know this first first claims of russian authorities was like uh, russian army invading entering ukraine to save russian speaking people well mm. It's not like saving some raping someone is not saving someone. It's not the same, you know. And mm -hmm. this is what it, it's difference between what Russian television and uh, Russian president says and what Russian soldiers, every Russian soldier, do here. They know that they are bombing civilian houses. They know and they consciously do very very bad things in those villages in those towns where where they managed to to move on to to get closer to kiev and uh, this is really terrible things and um do you think because we have to hope for peace we have to hope that this peace fire continues um 
do you think you'll ever be able to separate the Russian people from the actions of Russia in the future? Do you think your relationship next time you are at a, an event, a race, and you meet someone Russian, will you be able to, should you be able to um, see the difference between an individual and a country? Or do you think you are now at war and, and, and less they're rebelling against their leader, they are at war with you? Well, uh, I don't really know what should happen to uh, well, you know, I, I'll tell you another way. Uh, I know very few Russians who openly talking about uh, talking against Russian war in Ukraine. Uh, this is uh, I know two Russian sportsmen, like one ultramarathon runner and one runner and the coach. Uh, that from the first day of this war, openly in social media, in other uh, sources, they're just telling their position that they are against what Russian authorities and the Russian soldiers and Russia in general do in Ukraine. Uh, but it's only two people who, who I know, only two, you know. And uh, just before, our, uh, before this podcast, I saw news about uh, social survey in Russia and more than 80% now support, supports this invasion. I just can't imagine it why why this happened. And another thing, it's um, what, uh, it's more um, it's more about professional sport, you know. It's more towards high level sport, but the situation is mm, high level sportsmen from Russia. I don't know anyone who openly uh, told anything against this war. I thought some general words about, well, about peace, that we all have to live in peace, but no words about <laughs> who did this and why, you know? Nothing and, and against... Why do, why do you think that is? You, because it, it could be argued that people are scared themselves or that people um, don't feel strong enough to be able to publicly turn against someone as vindictive as Putin. Do you think that's why? Or do you think that the narrative that has been pushed in Russia is actually truly think Ukraine should be part of Russia? Uh, well, you know, well, uh, the more or the situation continues, uh, the more I think that uh, uh, Russians, most of Russians, don't uh, don't tell true at all. Even they, if they are telling something like "we are for peace," uh, partly because they are scared. And I know people who just who, 
who, who moved from Russia and just tell them that we are scared because we don't, we, we know that every, if we say something, they will put us in jail. It's so we, we can't really tell anything. Uh, well, but there are some sportsmen, very high level sportsmen that they mm, just like situation happened and they're, you know, there's a lot of uh, sport federations, running federations, running events, uh, has imposed some sanctions against the Russian athletes. And uh, some of top level athletes in trail running, for example, Russian athletes, they are starting to look in some gaps in these sanctions just to take part in some competitions right now. No? Uh, and uh, it's like very, I don't know how to explain it, but uh, uh, it, it, this news when I found out this, they're just trying some some way for them to take part in competition, to earn some prize money, uh, and in situation when, when, when their country is just just attacking another country. And uh, some of these runners are working as a coach, and I know that they coached Ukrainian amateur athletes, you know. And in this situation, I waited from them more open position, more strict position. But what I see from them is just trying to save themselves, to save their earnings, their money. Uh, it's, I don't see any, like any thought about human life, about beauty in the world in general. Uh, also, there is another part. I know that uh, a lot of uh, professional Russian athletes, they're also, um, they have some formal position in Russia, in Russia army. Mm. It's mm, like... It's true, yeah. actually, that is tied, isn't it? A lot of sports are sponsored by yes. ministries or by, yeah. Yes, so they just, part of the system and it is another problem so yes the situation is that that uh well for this moment now i don't think that in any situation i can behave kind uh towards russians mm. anywhere in, in, in competitions or any other places Instead, uh, except of those who, who who openly say their positions that they are against the situation. No, well, yes, it's only two okay. sportsmen that I know, but they are they are not afraid. Then why all hours are one hundred million people afraid? True, true, but that that is true of you know, all humans. We have a different appetite for risk different strengths and some people are braver than others um, and actually as, as hard as it may be it, it might be that your your best opportunity to try and convince by trying to reach out if you were to meet someone at a meet and actually explain to them what's happening and explain about 
because it, it it could just be that ignorance has has dominated Russia and and they don't know. Um, but do you do you do you think Russia can win? Well, if they if they use chemical or nuclear weapon, they actually can win. It's true, and uh, well, no, uh, I didn't believe that they will invade Ukraine. I didn't believe that they, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Russian missile fell just three hundred meters from the place I'm sitting now. Mm-hmm. I could not imagine that this can happen. Uh, that why now I. I do can um, can accept that Russian president can give order to to launch nuclear missile or to use chemical weapon. Uh, they can even after all this they can say that something like Ukrainians did it themselves just to. But but I do understand that they can do it. So. Yes, in that case, well, but uh, anyway, you know, actually, to win uh, in situation like now, yes, to win, uh, it is not enough just to destroy Ukrainian president. Not mm-hmm. all Ukrainians actually support our president or our uh, uh, ruling party, you know. Uh, we have, they have a lot of critics, mm. uh, but well, I tried to to modulate for myself. No, I I actually have also my first uh, education was uh, political science, <laughs> and you know I'm try I'm tried to modulate. Well, what would happen if uh, if Russia could impose those plans to? And, you know, to kill Zelensky and to put mm. uh, somebody on his place, mm, what would happen? And I understand that Ukrainians will not just shut uh, down and, and all. We, we will have another meetings, another like Maidan, like in 2013 and 2004, you know. Mm. Ukrainians are not Russians like uh, mentally. To to win, they have to kill everybody here, you know. That's his problem. That's why I'm telling that this is fight for surviving. It's not like just just for this territory. and, and and, And thinking that it is a possibility that he may use chemical weapons or nuclear weapons. Do you, we've we've heard that you know males have been asked to stay, um, have to stay. Do you think everyone does still want to stay, um, even though there is a risk of total annihilation? Uh, <clears throat> I think that those who wanted to to escape there already somewhere abroad. Mm. Uh, it's not a big secret that uh, there is always possibility to to move out from the country. Uh, theoretically, 
I could move out too uh, just because I am a PhD student and, and a sportsman, so there is always some possibility. Uh, but I don't want to. Uh, I know, uh, I know even, even some of my friends, just very close friends, close friends who managed to, to go abroad. Even in, even with all these restrictions for, for males uh, from 18 to 60. Uh, so they did find some, some way, you know, people, people who afraid, they, they will find the way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, most, most of those who are still in Ukraine, I think they are ready to stay here until, <laughs> I hope until the victory. Mm -hmm. And, and you, you mentioned that you, you feel the West have done more this time than last time. What would you actually want the West to do? Uh, well, uh, Russia really has more, um, more military powers than Ukraine. Uh, in many ways, this military power supports by uh, by money that uh, Western countries pay for Russian gas and oil. And so, uh, and uh, you know, this even economical sanctions against some Russian sectors, they still have some leaks that, uh, uh, that, that still letting Russia to earn this money that they're spending on the war. This is one part of this, you know, more strict sanctions. Another part of this is that uh, um, Ukraine really needs uh, more uh, more weapons. You know, uh, the main problem now in Ukraine is uh, Russian missiles and Russian air airplanes. We don't, as I know, we don't have, at least we don't have enough weapons to protect the sky. So in air, Russians much stronger than, than we, and there is no no way to to hide. You know, so to get these airplanes, to get uh, uh, powerful uh, powerful anti uh, anti anti aircraft uh, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. missiles. So that's what we need because uh, all this like. And lows and stingers, as, as far as I know, it's not enough. It's class for close fights. It's mm. not for this um, very long distance missiles that the Russians use now on all the our cities. You know, <laughs> uh, a couple of days after starting uh, of the war, when we already was in Jetomer, uh one of the first bombings of Zhitomer was very close to our apartment. It was, it, it, this was the first time when I was really scared. Those time in basement, I thought this, this shootings, but I was some, somehow I was sure that we will survive this. But, mm. uh, but uh, there in Zhitomer, uh, where missile Russian, uh, 
just passed very close to to our house uh, it was really scary sound of approaching missile it's like <laughs> you're really saying goodbye to your life <laughs> mm. so and this is a big problem because uh, i think that we are able to handle russian forces on the earth because well, i know this uh, this fighters i know our our troops uh, a lot of people who are fighting now uh, in the first uh, first line uh, there are a lot of my friends i i know these guys they they're ready to to fight with anything and, uh, and they're ready to win but uh, modern war is is a more is, is a war of weapons yes it's, it's mostly a war in the air and uh, yes if if modern world won't want peaceful life i think they have to do something with this well you know i can tell you another thing but mm, i really but i really think it matters that uh, even when we started this the, not we started yet yeah? even even when russia started war in donbass in crimean annexation yes uh i I, I I was in those area, uh, but I was not in this area uh, in the time of, of of fights. Yes, I did not hear myself these sounds of explosions, and mm. uh, and now I hear it. And you know, I, I feel this difference when you don't hear or see with your eyes mm. uh, what is happening. You can't understand it uh, mm. in all the way. It's you know like I understand a lot of European people. Like, yes, I, I understand that imposing more sanctions on Russia can influence their lives, like ordinary life of I don't know German uh, clerk who who want to buy cheap uh, cheap petrol for his car. Uh, and I I can understand this because when the same Russian jets was bombing Syria, for example, uh, I I did not think about Syria like it's I did not realize this this situation because it's somewhere very far away from me. You know, I think that most Europeans Europeans think the same way. If they don't hear or see it with their own senses, they can't understand the situations. But the truth is, I think there is a difference in that we you, you, we are surrounded by Ukrainians, you know, in a in a positive way, in particularly in London. Yes. I don't know if that's true across all of Europe, but we all know people who have friends, um, and it's not to say we we didn't know Syrians or didn't like Syrian people, but um, they weren't as integrated in our society. And they, um, like, a, a, as you know, Ukraine is Europe. We've, we've all been there. Well, a lot of people have been there. Um, and and so in, in terms of the outcome then, like what, what do you see as the best case scenario now? 
<sighs> well, I hope that it is possible to to finish the war maybe in one month, the best case scenario, like with uh, withdrawing all Russian forces. Uh, I think it's possible if uh, if we can really have uh, some some huge victories on the ground, like. Uh, like getting back Kherson, not letting Russian to move on uh, on Donbass, um, something like that. We already showed our power, but uh, uh, what I think is uh, can change the situation radically is uh, something that could happen in Russia itself. Maybe mm-hmm. some more critical thinking from from more and more Russian people, something like that, or or at least from the no Russian oligarchs, they, they, which can say that it's time to stop all this because a lot of Russians dying here as well. Actually, yes, more than seventeen thousand people. It's it's a lot of people. Well, so. My best case scenario, it's like um, a little more fights and uh, just in a couple of weeks, something will happen in Russia, Ru- Russian minds that uh, will make them to stop and withdraw their, their forces. It's, it's what I think can, could happen. Uh, if then, it... And- and for for people at home, um, what what is a good way in which if we can help, they can help? Um, you know, if people want to take out training plans, how can they contact you? And are there any other suggestions of things you think we should be doing? Well, I don't know. I know that uh, raising money is one thing, but it's not uh, it's not what really have life-changing impact on the uh, situation. Uh, I think that uh, it's very important, it's realization that uh, like, you know, uh, you from your side can show your government that all this more help for Ukraine with weapons or with sanctions against Russia is a normal situation for people because I think that a lot of uh, uh, of state powers in uh, in Europe they are afraid to to be um, more rude against Russia just because they think that oh our people will not understand uh, people can't uh, support these decisions against Russia because they don't want to uh, to lose their life comfort well you know uh, I think that uh, yeah that, that's what it is it, it come it, yeah it comes because even even this month the um, the price cap for it has changed and so um, just today household bills have gone up by 700 pounds plus approximately and so actually I, I, the real driver is whether or not p- 
people are prepared to um, commit to not taking gas from Russia and, and higher bills. And, and that's that, I think, is the difficult thing because for a lot of people who aren't prepared to do that because um, they can't afford to um, or they aren't prepared to make those sacrifices. And, and so I, I think that's the real challenge for the Western governments until we can figure out a way to well, there is no easy way to, to stop gas, to stop the gas flow from Russia because um, we don't have great provisions currently. So um, it's yeah, that's that's the hard part I think is for the for the government to make decisions is where I, I truly believe that you have the full backing of of our nation, but are people prepared to a year? That that I don't know, uh, you know, and, and that is is very much case by case. Well, uh, there is also another ch cheapest way here, yeah? uh, like uh, all the European people who have some connection with Russia and with Russian people, mm. they could just try to explain real situation from their points of view. Uh, maybe it's it's like trying to turn on this critical thinking in Russian minds. Uh, because what I see is some some not not logical uh, things. Mm -hmm. Because like you know, uh, there was this claim that uh, Russia will win this war in three days. Mm -hmm. This time has passed. Russian did not win this war, but they still think that that, that, that their authorities do do everything right. Yes, one month passed. A lot of Russian mm. soldiers died here, and they still don't think about this situation from the point of view. Hey, what are we doing in Ukraine anyway? Nobody attacked Russia. Why we attacked mm. another country? Yeah. Well, mm. well, maybe, maybe uh, those people who has this connection with Russia, and I know that there are a lot of people like that. They mm. could make uh, their uh, their contribution in this mind-changing situation. Mm. You know, and uh, all other things that. Can people do? They are already doing it, like donation, like accepting mm. Ukrainian refugees, helping them to mm. uh, to to overcome all this strange situation. And and is there anything else that you you feel you'd really like to say to to the listeners about what's happening, or Bill would be good for them to know? Well, I want to say, is, first of all, thank you for support. Uh, really, it's it's a great support. I, I really feel it, and a lot of Ukrainians feel it. Uh, thank you for believing Ukraine, not Russia. I also see that most people, uh, they understand what uh, what truly is 
uh, happening here and who who is a bad guy and and another thing that i want to tell everybody is that don't make this mistake that i think a lot of people are already doing yes that, that i felt myself like it means don't think like this war is some very far away from you mm. because we are dealing with very dangerous country and is very dangerous leader of this country who will not stop in ukraine if he win the war here we already heard uh, these claims on russian television about conquering poland and baltic countries and going to atlantic so my opinion this it's not just worse you know because we thought that invading ukraine is just a words but now it is reality so the mm. words can be reality for europe as well so uh, my main my main uh, uh, thought is that please people don't think that it's far away from you and it's not have concern to you the world is like very united now and uh, it's very global and there is no there is no situation that can't affect any any of uh, citizen of any country well thank you so much for coming on the podcast and and giving your insight and, and telling uh, more about the reality of the situation on the ground in Ukraine. Um, do stay safe. Um, if, if people want to, to reach out to donate to, to get training plans, what, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, my social media, you, you can always find me on Facebook, uh, Serhii Popov. Uh, well, my face is open there, so it's easy to find me, actually. Uh, so please, I, I'm ready to contact with anybody. Well, thank you again for your time. And, um, you know, if there's anything we can do to help, do, do let us know. Thank you. Thank you very much. Fuck you, buddy.